God's desire for every one of us is to live above this world, to breathe clean air, to live in the sunlight, to rejoice and to enjoy His goodness. Every day can be a a new experience if we'll make a series of small changes and it begins here. I want to start a series this evening uh, entitled Living the Victorious Christian Life. I believe that there's a reason why so many Christians live ho-hum lives. I don't know if you feel that your Christian life is uh, full of vitality and life, excitement and power, answers to prayer and so on, or day to day does it feel more as if it's kind of a ho-hum Not much happens, uh, very little in fact. Um, I believe that many of our lives, we're seeing very little victory. We're seeing very few answers to prayer. Not much in the way of power and rarely does the Bible get us excited. And when you stand back and consider it, it's a ho-hum way of living. Here we are, saved, part of God's family, the greatest family in the world. Almighty God is our Heavenly Father. So why aren't our lives more exciting? We expect to be excited when we get to heaven. We expect to see and hear amazing things and take part in miraculous things in heaven. But we're not there yet. But why can't we have some of that now? Why can't we have a little slice of heaven on earth? The Christian life is essentially, listen carefully, the Christian life is Christ's life. That's what the Christian life is. It's Christ living in and through the Christian. The Christian life is Christ's life and He and He alone is able to live it in power and joy and victory and peace. We, you and I, that have received Jesus Christ, we often suffer at the hands of the world, the flesh, and the devil. Some of us start on Monday morning with a cloud over our head. Oh boy, here I go into it again. Be it at work or at school, into the world. And the world is not a nice place. I think we would all agree and it's getting worse. It's certainly not getting better. We suffer often at the hands of the devil and we often lose the Christian battle day by day and we don't understand why. We make the same mistakes over and over. And consequently, we experience long periods of spiritual dryness. Well, let's see if we can change some of that, shall we? Let's see if we can light some fires and get some power and excitement going. Let's see if we can turn things around a bit. We're going to start looking at several things over the next several weeks. It's a series of small changes, if you will like a series of small steps to get from point A to point B. And if we will make those small changes, I believe with all my heart that we're going to start experiencing more of the power and the, uh, the thrill of being a Christian 
and walking with God. Now with your Bible open at 1 John chapter 1, I'd like if we could read verses 8 to 10, but I'd like to ask you to stand if you wouldn't mind, give you an opportunity to stand. And we'll read together verse 8, 9, and 10, and then we'll have a word of prayer, and then you may be seated. Let's begin by reading from verse 8. If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say that we have not sinned, we make Him a liar and His word is not in us. Our Heavenly Father, we ask that You would please help us, Your children. We know that You have great plans for us, great desires that we experience the love, joy, peace, and power, and answers to prayer that You want for us. Our Father, please help us tonight. Help us to begin by making a series of small changes that will change our lives in a great way. Help us to have receptive hearts tonight. In Jesus' name we ask it. Amen. Please be seated. Well, tonight we're going to start at something rather basic. And last Sunday, we had Consecration Sunday, and in a, in a manner of speaking, we sort of dealt with it last Sunday morning as well. You might want to call these optional responses to sin. You see, we have to begin here, folks. This is where, believe it or not, our big change is going to begin. It's going to begin right here. I'll tell you why. Because sin is deceiving. And often we don't think that we're committing sin when in fact we are. And we can be violating and breaking some of God's standards and principles and not even realize it. And that alone will result in loss of power, loss of joy, uh, loss of true peace. It'll close up the windows of heaven. It'll close the pages of the Bible to us. And we're wondering, what went wrong? What happened? Why is my life ho-hum? I get up, I go to work, try and make a few bucks. I come home, try and have a few laughs or something, and I go to bed. And the next day, I get up, And I go to work and I try and make a few bucks and I come home and try and have a laugh or two or something, something enjoyable and then I go to bed. And then the next day it's the same and the next day after that's the same. You know, there's no difference between that and the world. The unsaved, that's how they live their lives. But why should we live that way? We have the opportunity to rise above that kind of stuff and to live incredible lives and that's why i believe that it's a good time for us to look at this subject the how to live the victorious christian life because believe me god's desire for every one of us is to live above this world to breathe clean air to live in the sunlight to rejoice and to enjoy his goodness Every day can be a a new experience if we'll make a series of small changes. And it begins here. Now, 
there are some people who do not believe in the existence of sin. I don't think any of those people are here tonight or even watching online. I think that we all believe somewhat, basically anyhow, in the concept of sin. And John, the Apostle John, who, who wrote this, uh, kind of gives us a, an option here. If you look at verse 6, if we say that we have fellowship with Him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not the truth. Now, I've been saved going on 48 years. I've been in the ministry 41 years. I've done a lot of Christian counseling over those years. A lot of it. And it's my understanding that verse 6 is correct. There are so many times when we as born-again believers are walking in darkness. We're not walking in light. Is it possible for a born-again man or woman to walk in darkness? Yes, it is. We're going to look at some scriptures tonight that will help prove this. So that's why it's very important if we're going to have an overall big happy change in our lives and live the victorious Christian life that we have to be sober and we have to begin here. So when it comes to this matter of sin, we have options. We have options. Um, number one, our first option is, uh, and this is sort of a general statement, but we can be a denier. We can deny sin. Look at verse 10. If we say that we have not sinned, we make him, that's God, we make him a liar. Wow. So it's possible for someone to say, I have never sinned. I have never sinned. It's possible for someone to say that. A good friend of mine who is been in heaven now for well over 10 years, I think. Uh, he was an evangelist, um, an amazing man. God used him in a great way. And as an evangelist, he traveled the country. He traveled to several different countries and spoke to crowds of small, you know, little churches and large, big churches. And he had sort of seen it all. And he was at this one church and he was preaching, and he was preaching about new life in Christ. You can have a new life, which is true. And he called for an invitation, those who are interested and willing and wanting to know more on how they can have a new life, to come forward on the invitation. And many people came forward. And this one little old lady came forward. And uh, he described her. Uh, and it was very descriptive. She was like from another century. She was uh, a little on the shorter side, and she had this, this hat on, this wide-brim hat. She had um, black clothing on. She had gloves up to her armpits. She had a little purse, and so she came tottering, and she was quite old. She came tottering down the aisle. And so he saw her, and so he went to talk with her. Others in the church were working with other people at the altar. He went and talked to her. And so he started at square one. He said, now you realize that we're all sinners. 
And she looked at him and said, I'm not. And he said, maybe you didn't hear me right. But uh, God says, all have sinned. And she said, not me. And so um, he scratched his head. Because you can't be saved unless first you understand and realize and admit that you're a sinner. And so he said to her, he said, ma'am, he said, I'm going to admit something to you. That I am a sinner. Now, you would admit the same thing, wouldn't you? That you're a sinner. Mm-mm, not me, she said. Well, th- this had really thrown him. He had never heard anyone tell him that. He had spoken with, at that point, he had spoken with 10,000 people one-on-one in his ministry career. That's a lot of people one-on-one. No one had ever told him what this little old lady told him. And so he, uh, he said, uh, well, why don't you tell me what, what is sin? And she said, no, I don't want to tell you. And he says, oh, no, come on, tell me. What is it to be a sinner? What is sin? She says, no, I'm not going to tell you. And he said, ah, oh, he said, it's just you and me here. No one else can hear it. Tell me, what, what is it to be sin? What is sin? And finally, you know, she, she looked around and she said, sex. And in her mind, she had never sinned. Because that's what she thought sin was. And so he asked her, why did you come forward? And she said, well, you said that I could have a new life and I'm old and I'd like to have a new life. That's why I came forward. And so he spent a fair bit of time explaining to her what sin is because she obviously had no idea. And happy story, long story short, is that when she finally understood what sin was, she admitted she's a sinner. And she asked Christ to forgive her and come into her heart. But she was like 90 years of age or more. And so just a very interesting story. But some people deny what sin is and that they're a sinner. Says, no, I'm not a sinner. Others are sinners. See that man? He's a sinner. And uh, that guy over there, he's a sinner. In fact... I remember now that something else that my evangelist friend told me that the lady told him is that her next door neighbor was a sinner. And he asked, well, how is that? Well, she said, my next door neighbor has a dog and this dog comes over onto my front lawn and I won't tell you what that dog does, but that man (laughs) is responsible. That man is a sinner. And there are people like that. They, They look at others Sinner, 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 sinner. They look at themselves, I'm not a sinner. And there's so many people like that. I can guarantee you there are Christian people who do that. And they can see the faults in others, but they can't see the faults in themselves. The illustration that I've used before is bad breath. If someone around you has bad breath, you probably know. And sometimes someone with bad breath will like to get right up close to you in your face and talk with you. And all the while you're moving back (laughs) and another step back (laughs) 
because you don't want to be that close to them. They have bad breath. They don't know they have bad breath. To them, their breath is just as normal, but everyone else knows they got bad breath. Sometimes Christians are like that. And when a Christian is told this is a sin, that's not a sin. Or, no, others do that, I don't. An example of that might be anger. Some people have anger issues, but they don't see it. They don't think they have anger issues. And if you told them, uh, no, you have an anger issue, they'd say, no, I don't. (laughs) I don't have anger issues. Don't you say I do when I know I don't. Well, maybe they have bad breath too. (laughs) And they don't even realize that. But you can be a denier. And that's sort of what we have here. And some people think of sin as murder, bank robbery, adultery. But they don't see gossip as being a sin. They don't see bad attitudes as being a sin. Well, truth is, all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And we have to realize that all is our middle name, isn't it? It involves us. It includes all of us. In order for us to ever experience a victorious Christian life, we have to deal with this first basic principle of sin. And we have to realize that the Bible is right in Jeremiah when it says the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. That's the heart. Your heart. My heart. It's like having a desperado living inside of you. The heart is desperately wicked. Above all things. Only the Lord knows it. That's why we have to believe what God says. That's faith. Faith is when you believe what God says. That's what faith is. So, James chapter 2, verse 10 says, For whosoever shall keep the whole law and yet offend in one point, he is guilty of all. You ever realize that when you commit a sin, you're just confirming it. You're just giving one more evidence that you're really guilty of the whole thing. If you, it's like if you break one, you've broken them all. You're guilty of the whole thing. Our lives are so destroyed by sin. We get saved and we get forgiven. But I'll tell you what, sin still has a hold on us. It still does. And we're, we're taught that here. And so the first attitude you can have towards sin is to just deny it. Just to deny it. Now if you look at verse 10 again, it says, if we, if we say we have not sinned, we make him a liar. You may as well look at God and say, God, you are a liar. Because you said these things are sin, all have sinned. I don't do those things. You're a liar. You say, well, that's horrible. I would never say a thing like that. No, I don't think you would. I don't, I don't believe that any of us would use words like that toward God. We're smarter than that. But look how deceitful sin is. Because you and I can sin 
and not realize it's a sin. Jesus said, let your yea be yea and your nay be nay. Oftentimes we'll say yes, but we'll really mean no. Or we'll say yes and we'll break the promise. And we'll say, yeah, it's nothing, it's nothing big. It's nothing big. Sometimes parents will do that to children. And to a child, when you say, okay, Saturday we're going to do this. Boy, their whole world depends on it. Their whole world depends on it. Maybe that little boy will go to school and say to all of his buddies, hey, my dad's taking me fishing on Saturday. We're going to go fishing on Saturday. And he would talk to his buddies all week long and Thursday come, my dad's taking me fishing on Saturday. And then uh, maybe Saturday morning comes and the phone rings and the dad picks it up, says, yes, yes, okay, no, I understand, I'll be right there. And he says, sorry, I have to go to work. The work's uh, called me into work today. I, you know, someone's called in sick and I have to, uh, I got to go into work. You understand, don't you, son? Yeah, dad, yeah, I understand. But you know, he doesn't. His whole world was built on that promise. Well, that's not a sin. Well, that's just life. That's just reality. He better uh, sober up. He better man up to it. He better get used to it. Life is like that. Yeah, it's sad when your own dad or your own mom is that way. Hmm? But we, we do this sort of thing and that's not a sin. Oh, it's not letting your yay be yay. That's a sin. So you can deny it. And, but God says, all have sinned. And you see what it says at the end of verse 10? And his word is not in us. That would suggest that if we are in the habit of denying what sin is, that means that we're not in the habit of feasting on the word of God. You cannot be an avid reader of the word of God and devour the word of God and at the same time saying, no, I, I don't sin. There's no sin in me. I don't have a problem with sin. Other men do. Other women do, but I don't. And I don't have an anger problem. Remember that. His word is not in us. It seems we're empty, void of his word in us. When God's spirit grips your heart, God's got something to say. Don't be a denier. And so here's the first option. When it comes to sin, you can be a denier. A denier. Option number two. You can be a deceiver. Or deceived, possibly. If you look at verse 8. If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves. Well, there it is there. You can believe in sin but just deny that you have sinned. That's another way that you can, you can do this. You can say, well, I really don't have sin in me. There's no real reason why I would need to repent. I don't need to get on my face every day in the morning and say, oh God, search me and see if there be any wicked way in me. Because I know there's no wicked way in me. I don't have to lay prostrate uh, before God in my prayer closet and cry out to Him, 
Forgive me of being worldly and having a worldly mind and worldly thoughts and saying worldly things. Forgive me for not feasting on your word and and giving myself to you on a daily constant basis. Forgive me for being worldly. I don't have to do that because I'm not worldly. So we can get deceived pretty quick. You know, to deceive, the word deceive means to trap someone by getting them to believe something that's false. To trap someone by getting them to believe something that's false. Sometimes people deceive themselves. That appears to be the case here in verse 8. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves. For any one of us. Now this is the pastor included to say that we don't have any struggle with sin. We're deceiving ourselves. We all have a struggle in this flesh, in this world, in this life with sin. All of us. Every one of us. You think of the most wonderful person you can think of. The most godly Christian man or woman. That person has a problem with sin. D.L. Moody was one of the best evangelists of the 1800s. It's estimated that he had helped a million people get saved over the life of his uh, ministry in his lifetime. And yet D.L. Moody said... The, the one person in this world that I have more trouble with than anyone else is D.L. Moody. D.L. Moody said those words. He said, I got more trouble with myself than anyone else. If we say we have no sin, we, we deceive ourselves. So this is option number two, is you can be a deceiver, deceiving your own self. Um, I'd like you to turn to the left. Keep your finger there in First John. We'll be back. But I'd like you to turn to the left. And go to 2 Timothy, 2 Timothy chapter 2. I want to show you something really scary, huh? really scary in the scripture. Second Timothy chapter 2, now in verse 24, we're told the servant of the Lord must not strive. Now this would... Uh, refer probably primarily to uh, pastors, evangelists, missionaries, but really to anyone who wants to serve the Lord. The servant of the Lord must not strive, but be gentle unto all men, apt to teach, patient. Now watch very carefully verse 25. In meekness, instructing those that oppose themselves. There are people in this world that oppose themselves and some of those people are Christian men and women. To oppose yourself means to become your own worst enemy. It's one thing to be fighting the enemy and to protect your home and family from the enemy. But when you start punching yourself, when you start opposing yourself and knocking yourself down, boy, that's a real problem, isn't it? So, in, in meekness, instructing those that oppose themselves. Watch now. If God, peradventure, will give them repentance to the acknowledging of the truth. I believe there are a lot of backslidden Christians today. Haven't been to church in a long time. Haven't read their Bible in a long time. Haven't really prayed in a long time. They are taken captive 
They're opposing themselves. Every time they get up, they knock themselves back down. Oh, maybe I should go to church. No, I won't go to church today. Those church full full of hypocrites. Hypocrites. Can't even say their word right. Hypocrites. And then a week, two weeks later, oh, maybe I should get back to back back to church. You know, no, 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 not going to do that. No, you remember what happened last time? Someone didn't shake your hand. Someone didn't smile at you, and they looked right at you. The ushers were handing something out, and you got missed. Never going back to church. I know that sounds pretty silly. I, I realize that. Because that's exactly what it should sound like. Pretty silly. And yet, there are people who use those kind of excuses as weapons against themselves. That's why they're taken captive, you see. Uh, Verse 26. And that they may recover themselves out of the snare of the devil. Now, we looked at the word snare, didn't we? I thought we did, anyhow. Um, who are taken captive by him at his will. The old devil wants to take you captive. He wants to take you captive. How is he going to do it? By making you a denier about sin or a deceiver about sin. And I'm talking Christian people now, not the unsaved. They need to get saved. But Christian people who are saved opposing themselves because they're deceiving themselves. They're saying, that church is a bunch of hypocrites and they don't realize that they're one of the biggest hypocrites. They don't realize that. They deny it and the Holy Spirit is trying to show them the truth and they harden their hearts toward it. Wow. That's that's pretty heavy stuff, isn't it? (laughs) These are options... Optional responses towards sin here. Jesus taught us in John chapter 8, 32, and ye shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. That's only if we receive the truth. That's why we need to be great lovers of truth. We need to find out what is true. My wife and I had a kind of a weirdo experience just in the last week about truth. Every week we have a, a man who delivers a, a newspaper to our door. And a couple of weeks ago, this man, and we had it right on camera. We got this camera outside our front door. He delivered the newspaper and he put it in the little kind of box where it says newspapers. And then he stopped and he took the box and he moved it and put it in front of a sign we have that says, As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. We had a Bible verse out there to give a little witness and testimony. And this man moved it and covered up that sign. And we saw that and we thought, look at that guy. What did he do that for? He shouldn't do that. And so we called up the newspaper and spoke to the circulation manager and explained the problem. And uh, she said, well, I'll, I'll look right into this, sir. And so she did. Next day, she called me back. I said, huh. Okay, we'll get to the bottom of this. And she said, she spoke to the carrier and she said that where we had the little box that says newspapers, there was quite a bit of rain. It was raining. 
and the rain and the wind was pushing the rain in, he moved the little box so the paper wouldn't get sopping wet. I said, oh. I was confronted with the truth. So what am I going to do? I can be a deceiver or a denier. But I took another option. We both did. And we apologized. And uh, we got a nice little letter written and uh, putting it outside, waiting for... I think tomorrow is when he makes his next delivery and he'll find the letter. And it'll be our letter in there apologizing and, and, and thanking him for what he did. But as Christians, we sometimes misinterpret, well, that guy didn't shake my hand. Well, it's possible that he was in a hurry. He had something on his mind. It's possible he didn't see you. It's possible that he was struggling with something and he just was having a bad day. And you interpreted it as a slight that he purposely avoided you. We deceive ourselves. You shall know the truth and the truth shall set you free. If you want to be set free, you have to embrace the truth. You see why it's so important for us to start here on this. Now, I want you to turn um, back to Ephesians. A few more pages to the left. To Ephesians chapter 5. Now, this is going to nail it for you. Ephesians chapter 5. This is written to Christian people. This is not written to the lost. This is written to Christians who, in my opinion, are somewhat backslidden. Somewhat deceived by sin. Somewhat taken captive. I don't know if fully taken captive, partially taken captive, but they're certainly entangled. Chapter 5 of Ephesians and verse number 14. Read it out loud with me, please. Here we go. Wherefore he saith, Awake thou that sleepest, and arise from the dead, and Christ shall give thee light. These people aren't dead, they're just asleep. The unsaved, they're dead. The Christians, they're alive, just these ones are asleep. How'd that happen? They deceive themselves with sin. Sin got in there and deceived them. And it's like they went to sleep. If you saw two men laying down beside each other, you walk in the room, you wouldn't know if they're both dead, both asleep, or one dead and one asleep. You wouldn't know. You'd have to go and call their name and you know kick them or whatever and see if you get any response out of them. Christians sometimes get deceived by sin and they lay down and they look like they're dead. They look like the unsaved. What do you think these backslidden Christians look like to their neighbors? To the unsaved neighbor, he or she would see you come out of your house dressed to go to church on a Sunday morning with your Bible under your arm. Oh, there they go. They're going to church again. And they'll see you come home maybe in the afternoon. And then when, when it's time, they see you come out to the car with your Bible. Look, they're going to church again. Sunday night. That's good witness. That's good evidence. That you, you stand for something. You believe in something. But as a Christian, Sunday morning, you know, you're just lounging around in your bathrobe just like they are. Maybe you uh, go out on the deck 
or something and have your breakfast there all during church time. The world sees that and they say, well, they're just as lost as, as we are. When in reality, they're saved, they're just asleep. They've been deceived. Deceived by sin. And the old devil's having a party. You know, it, it's like the old sad story when, when people get divorced. I, I'm not a fan of divorce. I'm not. I believe in, in marriage. I think God is for marriage. I think that divorce is, is a defeat. But you know, the only winners, the only people who win, well, it's certainly not husband and wife. They both lose. You take two pieces of paper, you glue them together. Wait till the glue dries. Now try and pull those papers apart. See what happens. Well, that's kind of what happens when people get divorced. So they don't win. The children, they don't win. They lose big time. Well, who wins? Unfortunately, the lawyers. They're the ones. They make the money off it. But the real winner is the devil. The devil wins when Christians get deceived by sin and go to sleep. And they forsake the house of the Lord. I'm never going to church. The devil says, yes. There's no perfect church. There's no perfect Christian. If you're looking for a perfect church, <laughs> you're not going to find it. Someone said, if you ever do find a perfect church, whatever you do, don't join it. Because then it won't be perfect anymore. Because every one of us have a problem with sin. I do. How about you? We're all in this together, folks. And so, you see, we've got options. Options. Option number one is to be a denier of sin. Verse 10, 1 John chapter 1, verse 10. If we say we have not sinned, we make Him a liar. So we deny sin. Option number two, we can be a deceiver in verse 8. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves. But then there's option number three, and that's in verse 9. If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Well, how do I, how do I confess a sin if I don't even know I've sinned? Well, that sounds like a pretty good question. Well, I know someone who can tell you if you've sinned or not. And it's not me. It's the Lord. That's why we go to God in prayer and we say, Search me, O God. That's why we have a Holy Spirit, a built-in Bible teacher. He's a comforter, but He'll also reprove us when we commit sin. That's why we need to go to God every day and say, Lord, is there anything in my life not pleasing to you? What do we do once a month when we have communion? Don't we bow our heads and pray and say, Lord, is there anything in my life that's not pleasing to you? Show me. And if you pray with an honest heart, God will show you if there's something. So we can be a receiver of this. And we will get the forgiveness of sins. Why? Because He is faithful and He is just. That means He is perfectly, legally 
within his legal, heavenly legal limits to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. What a wonderful thing it is to be clean. Oh boy, oh boy, it's a wonderful thing. A man wrote a book about a a prisoner in a prison who got saved. Uh, David Watson was the author's name and he wrote this book and in it he talked about a prisoner who got saved, became a Christian. And the prisoner said that he was dirty. He was serving eight years. He, this was his fifth time to be in prison. And he was serving eight years for fraud. That means he was a liar. And he got saved. And he said, I used to be dirty on the outside. My body, I never used to wash. He said, I was dirty on the inside. I had dirty thoughts. I'd say dirty words. I had lust and hatred and greed and revenge and anger and malice. But then I learned how to receive Jesus Christ as my Savior. He said, I was able to stop reading dirty books. I was able to stop using all of those dirty words. I was able to start loving people that I used to hate. For the first time in my life, he said, I'm free from the filth that's been inside me for years. What a joy to be clean. You know, many of us Christians, we've forgotten what that feels like because we're living ho-hum lives. Folks, I'm talking about living the victorious Christian life. And it begins here. Step one. Remember I said a series of small steps? Well, this is step one. It's learning to go to God and say, God, is there anything in my heart, anything in my life, anything displeasing to you? Show me. Over the next series of Wednesday nights, we're going to see how what we're talking about tonight ties in with Bible reading, ties in with the Holy Spirit, ties in with prayer. We're going to see how all of this fits together. But the bottom line, the end result, the goal in sight is a victorious Christian life for you and for me. Would you bow your heads now and close your eyes as we go to God in prayer? Thank you for watching the message today. We invite you to join us again every Sunday and Wednesday for more inspiring messages from God's Word.